The information provided in this podcast episode is for education and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional and should not be considered or used as clinical or professional consultation. With that said, here is a taste of what you will get in today's episode. You know yourself and you know your child and you know um, your wife or the child's mother better than anybody else in that situation. Mm -hmm. And so you have to do what works best for your situation. And once you start tripping off what everybody else say, you gonna lose because... Now keep listening to today's episode because there are some cultural jewels that I am dropping on y'all. And of course, thank you so much for your support. Enjoy the episode. Paul Cuffey, 1759-1817 Paul Cuffey, a true pioneer, was a wealthy merchant mariner, shipbuilder, and humanitarian. He is best known for his efforts in colonizing Sierra Leone in Africa with free Blacks from the United States. Cuffey was born on the island of Cuddy Hunk near New Bedford, Massachusetts, in 1759, the seventh of 10 children and the youngest of four sons. His father, Cuffey Slocum, was a former slave and his mother, Ruth Moses, was an Indian. Paul's father died when Paul was 13. Paul later changed his name to Cuffey, his father's first name. When Paul's father died, he left an unproductive form to Paul and a brother. They later sold the farm to try other pursuits. Cuffey's interest in the sea motivated him to learn to read and write in order to pursue navigational studies. In 1783, he married Alice Piquet of his mother's Indian tribe, and they later had two daughters and six sons. Going to sea at 16 enabled Cuffey to purchase a form for $3,500 on the east branch of the Westport River. His second voyage was to the West Indies. During his third voyage, which was after the start of the American Revolution, he was captured by the British and kept prisoner in New York City for three months. After his release, he returned to his farm and decided to build his own vessels and became a trader. Kufi made five successful attempts at securing his trade business, but each time pirates set him up, seizing his boats and cargo. After the revolution, the trade business became stable and he was able to establish a profitable trade. With his profits from smaller ventures and a partner, Cuffey built larger and better ships, which he used for whaling and coastal shipping of fish, corn, and other cargo. In 1793, he built the Mary, a 42-ton schooner in 1795. The 69-ton Ranger was completed. In 1808, the Hero was added, and in 1810, the 268-ton Alpha and 109-ton Brig, the Traveler, was added to his fleet. In addition to these vessels, Cuffey owned considerable real estate. 
Cuffy's wealth in no way diminished his concern for the black cause. He built a school on his farm, hired a teacher, and opened it to the public. He and his brother petitioned the Massachusetts legislative body and an act was passed granting to the free blacks all the privileges of white citizens, including the right to vote. Thus, Paul Cuffey's efforts permanently influenced the welfare of the entire black population of North America. It was the popular belief at the time that African colonization was the answer to the plight of free blacks in America. Paul Cuffey was a firm supporter of this assertion. In early 1810, Captain Cuffey, as he was known by then, was given a letter of endorsement from the Society of Friends for him to sail to Sierra Leone to make observations concerning the desirability of free blacks settling there. War between America and the English delayed his plans for another trip to Sierra Leone. However, on December 5, 1815, with 38 black Americans and considerable cargo aboard the Traveler, Coffey was able to return. He personally paid the passage $4,000 for 30 of the passengers. Captain Cuffey returned to America on June 1st, 1816. Unfortunately, before he could make additional plans, his health failed. Captain Paul Cuffey died September 9th, 1817. What's up, y'all? I'm coming on real quick to ask you to do me a favor. If you are a listener of my podcast, please make sure to leave a review. I don't care if you've been listening from day one or if this is your first time listening. Go ahead and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Because when you leave a review, it helps other people find my podcast, which ultimately is helping more people be culturally aware. So after this episode, take a few seconds to leave a review. I'm thanking you in advance for being part of making cultural change one listen at a time and one review at a time. Alrighty, let's jump into the episode. Hello, welcome to another episode of A Walk A Day In My Culture. This is a podcast where I help you increase your cultural awareness by talking with you about the daily experiences I have as a black woman. Now listen, you know the mantra. I believe that if you guys hear my experiences, you can hypothetically walk a day in my culture, which helps you to literally walk on the path of increasing your cultural awareness. And not only that, if you happen to be a black listener, I truly believe and trust that by listening to the experiences of my cultural walk, you will feel validated, liberated, and empowered by hearing me, your black sister, boldly stepping into my full-fledged blackness and the beauty of this walk. So with all of that said, let's get into today's episode, which is entitled Black Fathers Matter Part 1. 
So before I jump into the interview, y'all know that I do my Welcome to Our World segment. I explained what that was in the last episode. If you don't remember, just go on back and listen to it. But in this segment, I want to just take a moment to say rest in peace to Trayford Pillarin, if I'm saying it correctly. Unfortunately, he was killed in Louisiana a couple of days ago. Um, He was killed by police. They say that he had a knife and that he was a threat and all of this other stuff. And yeah, that might have been true. But I'm still just trying to figure out why other non-Black people who are also threats, aka white people, have firearms, they shoot up places, they shoot up churches, they got weapons, they kill other people, and they are somehow detained alive, unharmed. It's just a problem. So again, I just want to say and have us take a moment to honor Trayford Pillarin, if I'm saying his name correctly, to honor his life and that his black soul may rest in peace. And also in this segment, we, you know, we got this Virginia mayor calling vice presidential candidates, Aunt Jemiah's. And, you know, it's just, it's continued disrespect for the black woman. Now, listen, I know that this happened a little while ago, but, you know, my podcast was on a break. And so I you know, didn't cover this segment. I didn't add this in. And I just, I just want to name, it's reminding me of when Michelle Obama was called an ape in heels. And I just don't understand why people just continuously disrespect black women, continuously disrespect black lives. It don't make no sense. Um, We also have the Democratic convention that has been taking place by now. I think the Republican convention probably would have been taking place by the time I air this. Um, But, you know, the Obamas done called Trump out. And, you know, yet again, what we always see in, you know, when black folks start asserting themselves, all this backlash. And I've even seen news anchors and reporters say things like, never have we seen a president talk you know, and call out a a current president the way this former president has done. And it's like, uh, excuse me, do you see what the current president is doing? Do you not see what's happening? Like, why wouldn't Obama call him out? Like, let's just talk about the standard that Obama set for the person coming in behind him, okay? Let's just think about that and the black excellence for a moment. So yeah, he go call him out and Michelle is too. He need to be called out. Anyway, continuing in this segment of Welcome to Our World on an upside, in the world of black music, y'all, we is we mad and we showing out and we letting people know. Now listen, I know Black is King by Beyonce been out for several weeks. I know that. I watched it when it came out. It is amazing. It was good. But the point and the visuals are still very relevant several weeks later. Like the Black excellence in the entirety of that film is so good. Some of it was catching me a little off guard and my husband had to kind of be like, girl, like, don't, don't shy away from this. This is like 
the Africanness and the African roots that they try to keep away from us. And when I looked at it from that angle and really started honing in on certain stuff, I was like, girl, I mean, Beyonce, she 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 does her thing regardless of how people feel. Like I always say, I'm not part of the beehive, but can't nobody deny the excellence that Beyonce brings. And let me tell you, already is just, that's my jam. And the video is my jam. It's just, the whole thing is just gorgeous, excellent, and on point for blackness and empowering us. And then we have Sierra, who recently came out with a video called Rooted, um, that she recently, recently just released. And it was, it's, it's good. It's also about some blackness and, you know, empowerment and melanin and just our hair. It's just, yes. And that is why I changed the name of the segment. Welcome to our world of just the black excellence that we continuously exude. You know what I'm saying? So just wanted to put that out there. Just wanted to name that. So now let's get into what I am doing and what I am talking about and my series that is happening. So y'all know I'm doing a series called Black Fathers Matter. And today is the first episode. And before I continue, if y'all hear little baby Faith in the background, she is downstairs having a whole meltdown and tantrum. So I apologize. (laughs) But you know, like I said, this is a real and authentic show. It is very candid. I ain't got time to be trying to edit out babies, especially when I'm doing a series on fatherhood, right? So that don't make no sense. I ain't editing it out. It is what it is. And you know, y'all, this is what it is. Anyway, (laughs) I am doing a series called Black Fathers Matter. And today is the very first interview, like I just said a few minutes ago, of a black father. So who else y'all think I'm going to have open up the show for me besides my wonderful black husband, who is an excellent black father to our baby faith, right? Um, So today in the interview that I'm going to play for y'all, we talked about how he has stepped into this role of a father and a black father at that. And just like I just mentioned a few minutes ago in this interview, Little Miss Faith is making her present known. She is letting y'all know that she is here and that she is well and that she got some stuff to say too. So y'all gonna have to just bear with that during the interview. (laughs) I actually think it's funny. She making her presence known while I'm recording the intro to this episode, right? Um, But like I said, I'm not gonna do this whole editing things out, trying to make everything all perfect because, you know, we live in a world and a society where everybody tries to make it seem like that is what it is all the time. And that's just fake and that's just phony and I don't have the patience or the energy to do it, right? I'm talking about fatherhood. In a couple of weeks, I'm talking about motherhood. So ultimately I'm talking about parenthood. So if my baby in the background crying, then what did you expect? I'm a parent, (laughs) right? So anyway, I just had to say that and put that out there and digress for a little bit like I normally do. But again, this is a really, really great opening interview to this series. I'm really excited to share it with you guys. 
it has been amazing to watch my husband evolve, um, not only into the role of a father, but into the role of a black father. It ain't nothing like watching a black man develop into a black father. And the, the cultural things that he is instilling in our daughter is just priceless. So it was an honor and a privilege to have him on my show again. And I'm just excited for you guys to hear. So let's get into the interview. I encourage you to continue listening until the end. So you'll see what's going to happen next week and get some cultural tidbits for you all. Um, but just listen to this interview. I'm excited for y'all to hear it. So you ready? We're going to play it in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, Mr. Harris, thank you for coming back on my show. I'm excited for you to be here. How you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to see what this interview is going to be about. Yeah, yeah. You get the husband treatment. I just didn't give you your questions prior. So I just wanted a candid response from you today. All right. You get what you asked for. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, but seriously, I'm very, very excited to have you on today um, for you to, you know, just talk about fatherhood and being a black father because, you know, black fathers matter. So you are kicking off the show for me today. Um, I have another person that I'm interviewing who I'm not revealing and Faith trying to tell people who coming on the show, but... <laughs> We are not sharing that information, even though your daddy and I know, right? But you are the honorary first person to come on today because you are a black father and you are a good father. So I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions, if that's okay. Hey, I'm ready. All right. So the first thing is just share your journey to fatherhood um, and how you got to where you are now, to whatever level you comfortable sharing. Well, I mean, for me, it's not that complicated. I mean, we got married and had kids. I wish it was that simple. Get married, have kids, boom. Um, but, I mean, after a couple of attempts, we got a little baby. We got a little baby who was just making her presence known, which I think is just great. So, yes, we got us a little baby. Um so before we get into like the nitty gritty of um, today's show, people should already know. I mean, y'all as my listeners should know what my husband do, but just in case they don't know, so people can know the perspective you're coming from as a black father, just share with the people like what you, what your occupation is and all that good stuff. Okay. What do I do? Um, I mean, since COVID, it seems like I'm like a full-time house dad. Um, but on the other end, I am a school psychologist, um, working in the schools and I'm a, and I'm a therapist and a school psychologist is someone who does assessment for, um, special education, looking at disabilities that get in the way of learning, but more importantly, trying to help people figure out how to work around whatever learning challenges they have, because it's not always just the um, student oftentimes is the environment that the student is learning in and also I'm, I'm a mental health therapist and we run our private um, company where we provide therapy and 
trainings in culture first family therapy and training services yes yes so you you wear a lot of hats not only the hat of being a black father which is a huge hat to wear but you wear all these other hats as well yeah i mean we do what we do you know yes yes so everybody knows that little miss faith is 17 months old um and so the question i want to ask is how has adjusting um to fatherhood been for you for me the adjustment i think definitely was a steep curve early on because um it's like of course like you said like i've been working i seem like i got three jobs and um then being a father it takes way more attention to detail than um than i thought especially early on so just figuring out how to eliminate distractions i might have but still keep um a constant income and have the energy to do things i need to do for myself and have time to do things with you as you know as a married couple so it's 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 been a challenge at times but it's a much i i can say it's it's a challenge that is a natural challenge mm-hmm. you know going from an individual to a couple to a family these are natural evolutions of man mm-hmm. and so it's a challenge at times but it's the challenge it's the right challenge yeah it's the right struggle right 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 so with adjusting to being a father what have you learned about yourself one thing i learned is that um what have i learned about myself you know what i learned that i'm not that good at i guess sleeping on the floor or crawling around with a baby for too long so i try to get it all in i try to be as active as i can with this baby and um go really hard at the times when it's time to play and crawl around on the ground to maybe tire her out so i don't have to stay on the floor crawling around for too long Mm -hmm. yeah so is it safe to say that you've learned that you don't have as much energy as you thought you had well i would say that it's just like certain activities like crawling around on the floor and stuff after a while Man, that that does get tiring. I like being outdoors a lot more. Okay. That's something like me and her, we could go out. We could be going for hours, you know, put her in the stroller or even with her not being in the stroller. We could just get out and walk around the neighborhood and down to the park. And um, I learned again that I really like being outdoors and it's really fun being outdoors with a with a baby just exploring the world especially you know now that she's walking right talking and running and picking up stuff you know yeah 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 okay so one more question and then we're gonna take a commercial break but um i just want to know how has being a father changed your life how has being a father changed my life i definitely don't have as much time to um i guess do all that extra stuff like i used to watch every sports game that came on tv yeah it's <laughs> like never date never again right? <laughs> right yeah i used to you know play different video games at times and 
I, I think I was more active with going out and about um, and doing stuff. But now things just been more family focused, which is fine. It's just it's a different type of um, it's a different type of groove. Okay. Okay. I, you know what? I still listen to a lot of um, rap music, and I found that a lot of my favorite artists make the edited albums. Okay. So I still listen to a whole lot of Rick Ross. Um, <laughs> it's just more. It's the edited versions. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna take a commercial break and try to get this little little child over here. Slightly under control if she allows for it, and then we go come back, ask you a couple of more questions, and then we'll wrap things up. All right. Hey, you guys, you already know what this section of the podcast is about. This is my business update where I update you all on what's new and going on in my business. Remember that you should always listen to this commercial in its entirety because I'm always updating things and this commercial is ever changing. Everything I'm about to share with you can be found in more detail on my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. Many of you know I'm still working on my book, Understanding and Working Within the Issues in the Black Community. It's continuing to come along really, really well, and I'm so glad that I decided to slow down and take my time with the process. So keep your ears open for when that will be released. On October the 10th, I'm doing another online training and it is called Helping the African-American Community Cope with Trauma. Once again, you will receive three continuing education units if you're eligible. Registration is open now, so feel free to register. On November the 6th, that is when my cultural planner will be coming out. You can pre-order your planner on my website now under the Books and Products tab, and that's also where you'll find a description of this planner. And these are the updates for my business. Again, you can check out the details of what I just described on my website because one, if not all, of these offers will help you bloom into your best self. All right, y'all, we are back. So if y'all, y'all shouldn't just be tuning in, but you know I got my husband here with me, Mr. Harris, and we got baby Faith here. (laughs) Yes, tell the people, hi, girl, tell them. And so I am talking with my husband today about being a black father and the importance of black fathers. And so he's kicking the series off for me. So we're gonna just continue jumping in and asking these questions. So, Mr. Harris, what are some things that you feel you have mastered about fatherhood? Let's see. Second, well, definitely not common. The baby down, you hear her crying in the background. Um, no, you know what? Honestly, I definitely mastered the art of changing diapers. I could change diapers in the dark i could change diapers in the car i could change diapers with the baby on one knee you know i you know on the couch you know i'm the master of changing diapers no poopage spills anywhere yes 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 okay okay 
What um, are some things that you feel like you underestimated about fatherhood? I think I did underestimate how many hours around the clock um, you can actually be active. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sometimes it's in the midnight hour where you know you're like doing stuff, whether it's changing the diapers or putting a baby to sleep or um, trying to figure out things that you weren't able to do um, earlier because of just, you know, some of the things that come with being a father. So, yeah, I've definitely learned how to use uh, almost all the 24 hours in a day. Okay. Okay. Now you done kind of touched on these next two questions, but I'm going to ask them anyway. Um, what are some things that you miss about your pre-daddy days? Some things that I miss before pre-daddy days? Hmm. I don't know. It's it's a tough question because because of the COVID right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm not sure if I'm not engaging in some activities because of COVID or because um, of the baby, you know, I I, I just don't know. Um, Yeah, because I mean, I I still do a lot of the same stuff. You know, I still listen to my music. I still um, watch a little bit of sports. You know, I still like to drive my car and go I guess one thing I do miss is the ability just to get up and go mm-hmm. whenever we want to go though um, it's, it's like a lot of extra steps now right. that can get in the way of us getting out the door yeah yeah very true very true okay what are some things that you have gladly given up from your pre-daddy days now that you are a father Something I gladly given up from the pre-daddy days. Um, I don't know. Like a lot of things are really the same. It, I think, and I think what it is, um, a lot of times for guys becoming parents isn't as much as a drastic change as it is for the female. Can you can I, can you say that again? Thank you. One more time. Just one more time. Because that was some honesty right there that I appreciate coming from a black man. Just one more time for the people. I said a lot of times, you know, becoming a father isn't always as much a drastic change, you know, for the female. Of course, I mean, we incorporate the um, the baby into our life. But it seems like um, for the female, it's more of incorporating the rest of life. And being a mom. Right. Yeah, and a lot of things just get eliminated. Um, So, yeah, because I have no problems doing everything (laughs) that I do um, being a father. um, I just know to turn down a little bit. You know, I still, like I said, I like to ride in my car and listen to music. It just might be the edited versions with the baby or it might not be as loud. You know, um, I listen to a lot more oldies and jazz around the house now than more hardcore hip hop. You know, yeah. it is what it is. You know, I play, play my headphones sometimes, you know, um, you. I mean, it's I mean, besides watching a lot less TV, mm-hmm. I mean, everything is pretty much the same. Um, and like I said, it could really be 
because of this COVID mm-hmm. um, and social distancing that um, we're not as social yeah. as we were. Because um, I, I could say I was a lot less social um, once the baby was born. But even before that, I, I mean, I'm always always got work to do so I don't have time to really kick it and you know I don't go shoot pool and bowling on the weekends you know I make money yeah um hang out with family right and so <laughs> I still do that right 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 yeah <laughs> cool so I'm gonna ask one more question and then we're gonna take a final commercial break and then we go wrap up um what advice can you give a black father listening who can relate to your story? Um, I, th- I think one thing I'll say is that um, just because um, a lot of people might doubt you and what you bring to the table as a father, sometimes that could be the people closest to you. Um, I don't mean they know nothing. They, they don't know what they're talking about. You know yourself and you know your child and you know um, your wife or the child's mother better than anybody else in that situation. Mm-hmm. And so you have to do what works best for your situation. And once you start tripping off what everybody else say, you're going to lose because it's certain moments um, that it's only going to be with me and my daughter at certain moments that just are going to be with um, me and my wife. And then there's moments it's just going to be me and my wife and my daughter. Mm-hmm. And so I know this situation the best. And so I have to trust. Yeah, I could take advice and feedback, but that doesn't mean I have to always follow it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good advice. All right, y'all. We shall be back. Make sure that you listen to my commercials because you are you already know that second pioneer is embedded somewhere. So I'll be right back and we'll wrap up the show. Jean Baptiste Point du Sable, born approximately 1745 and died in 1818. Du Sable was a famous frontier trader, fur trapper, former businessman, and quote, the authenticated father of the nation's second largest city, Chicago, end quote. Historical records do not agree as to the origin of this great man. However, tradition insists that Dusabo was born a free black about 1745 in St. Mark, St. Dominique, which is Haiti. He was the son of a French mariner and an African-born slave mother. His father took him to France to be educated, and afterwards he worked as a seaman on his father's ships. He was a handsome man, powerfully built, over six feet tall, well-educated and cultured. He had a love of European art and at one time owned 23 old world art treasures. He spoke French, English, Spanish, and several Indian dialects. At the age of 20, De Sabo was injured on a voyage to New Orleans. Upon reaching the shores of New Orleans, then the French territory, 
he learned that the Spanish government had taken over. The French Jesuits, a Catholic order, protected de Sabo from being enslaved until he was well enough to make his way up the Mississippi River. He later settled in Peora, Illinois. In the early 1770s, de Sabo built a cabin and eventually owned more than 800 acres of land in Peora. He enjoyed a special relationship with Illinois' territorial Indians. He took a Potawatomi Indian, Catherine, as his common-law wife and fathered a daughter, Suzanne, and a son, Jean. Some years later, he left Peora and made his way north until he reached the Great Lakes area. The promise of greatness of the Chicago area on which DuSabo decided to settle had been passed over by others before him. None had the foresight to look beyond its barren, damp, marshy condition, nor did they have the fortitude to make, quote, nothing into one of the greatest locations at the Western Hemisphere. In 1779, starting from scratch, DuSabo built the first permanent home on the north bank of the Chicago River, where the present-day Tribune Towers stand. It was a well-constructed house consisting of five rooms and equipped with all the modern conveniences of the times. Later, despite the disadvantages, DuSabo established a thriving trading post and in short time became well known as far away as Wisconsin and Detroit. The trading post consisted of a meal, bakehouse, diary, smokehouse, workshop, pottery house, horse stable, barn, and several other smaller buildings. His post was the main supply station for white trappers, traders, woodsmen, and the Indians. The Chicago Portage boomed. It became the key route for merchant trading, and DuSabo sent wheat, breads, meats, and furs to trading posts in Detroit and Canada. DuSabo became a man of considerable wealth and means. He also owned a substantial quantity of field and carpentry tools, which indicated that he must have hired men for field work and building assignments. In addition, he owned an appreciable quantity of livestock, poultry, and hogs. In 1784, DeSabo brought his wife and children to Chicago, and as DeSabo was a devout Christ Catholic, excuse me, he and Catherine were properly married by a Catholic priest. In 1796, their granddaughter became the first child born in the city of Chicago. As the history of DeSabo unfolds, it leaves all history scholars puzzled by his sudden departure from such a prosperous environment. On May 7, 1800, the quote, father of Chicago sold his entire wealth for a mere $1,200 and left the area. In 1818, he died almost penniless and was buried in a Catholic cemetery in St. Charles, Missouri. Today on this land, which DeSabo once owned by right of toil, stands the Wrigley Building, 
Sun-Times Building, Equatable Building, Chicago's main public library, and the beginning of the Magnificent Mall. Within Chicago, a city plaque, a public high school, and a museum bear the Honorable DeSabo name. Have you ever wanted to receive services that truly consider your culture first? I mean, like, really considered your culture first. Not in a surface or fluffy way, but in a very deep, rich, and validating way. Well, look no further. My husband and I have finally put our brains together on how we can provide services that consider your culture first. At Culture First Family Therapy and Training Services, we offer an array of services that help people truly become more culturally aware. From the trainings and workshops we develop and offer, to the consultations we provide, to training our supervisees to use their cultural lens when providing services to people of color, we believe in putting culture first. Go check out our website, and the services that we offer over at www.culturefirst with the number one.org. Again, that website is www.culturefirst.org. C U L T U R E, the number one, st.org. We are so excited about this, and we just look forward to helping you embark on the journey of cultural awareness by learning how to put culture first. All right, y'all. So we are wrapping up today's episode um, where I am covering Black Fathers because Black Fathers matter. And of course, I have my husband on here kicking off the show. And my little baby Faith in the background, or should I say my toddler Faith in the background, having a good time. So we're going to wrap up the show. I'm going to finish asking him some questions, and then that's going to be it for today. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, um, Mr. Harris, what are the joys and challenges of fatherhood? Um. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I mean, we laugh because we're dealing with this baby in the background, and so she she like does these stunts, like for us, it's like, oh no, she stands up on the edge of the couch or the bed, and it's like she's trying to walk a tightrope, and we get all nervous, and um, but I think honestly, the joys, um, I guess. Like, all the fun you get to have, like, playing with the toys and singing the songs and um, sometimes dancing and just having fun, you know, Um, because you got a real responsibility, especially when they're young, to keep this kid entertained, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's really fun. And I like that we've taken on the challenge of not letting her watch TV and play with our phones if we could catch her mm-hmm. you know um and so all of the activities we're doing and hanging out and that's fun um some of the challenges i think like i said um we're still at this stage where sometimes some nights uh you might not get a lot of sleep 
Right. You know, I mean, for the most part, what were at was 16 months, 17 months. Um, at this stage, she pretty much sleeps through the night, but it's still some nights where I think those little <laughs> teeth are hurting or she just doesn't want to sleep and we're like, oh man. Yeah. Here we go. And so, um, that could be a challenge, especially, like I said, when, um, working, you know, working, I mean, working from home is still work. Right. It's not the same as going out in traffic and dealing with a lot of stuff in the actual building, but you still need a lot of mental space and that mental energy being drained can really cloud the ability to work freely in your mind to navigate all the things that's needed for the job so yeah yeah okay cool thank you good points good points hello yes it's me again i had to pause the podcast real quick to promote my newsletter subscription are you signed up to my newsletter if so thank you so much if not what are you waiting for go to my website www.bloomintoyourbestself.com and sign up each month you get a cultural newsletter and each week you get a cultural tip and it's free. It's really no excuse for you not to be signed up to my newsletters, especially if you listen to the podcast. So go and sign up. All righty, let's get back to the podcast. So what are the joys and challenges of being a black father? The joys and challenges of being a black father. Um, wow, man, let's see. Um, Man, that's that's a good question. I never thought about it. Just being a black father, um, I guess I guess one joy is getting able, being able to. No. No. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> no. Um, I guess one of the joys being able to comb and brush this wonderful, beautiful hair that my daughter has. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just gorgeous. Um. I think another joy is just um, all of the flavor that just comes with being a brother um, living in this world. But I guess some real challenges are like you got to protect your child and you got to look after her and your family in ways that um, you might not have to protect your family if the, if you weren't black. You got to kind of look at different situations differently and make sure you don't have to... Um, you know, hurt anybody that might try to try you just because you're black or a black family. Those are, those are different things you have to think about. You know, right? Yeah, because sometimes it's um, oh, I'm gonna just play it cool. You know, because safety is the key. But then at other times you're like, man, I might have to get active. Right. And um, th- those are things I don't know if other people really have to deal with, um, outside of the black community. And it's not about. It's not about me looking for stuff. Like I said, I'm a mental health professional. I'm a peaceful person. Right. Um, I'm I'm all about having fun and using my brain to figure stuff out. But some problems might require using some of these 260 pounds. And um, yeah, yeah, those are issues that you got to think about as a black father. Right. Right. Yeah. Real stuff. Real stuff. So just two more questions. 
How does being a black father shape the way you parent? Um, how does being a black father shape the way I parent? I think um, definitely I tend to make sure I pay attention to the images and the themes and the lessons that the world has given me and my wife and my family. And um, I try to make sure I read through all that BS so it doesn't filter through our home to our child. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the narratives we got about us um, have been so false and corrupted that I have to always make sure that I'm not replaying some um, schema that was planted in my head to destroy my family. That might be a little... um, deeper than what you were asking for I'm right asking now. what I want you to answer. But that that's the truth. You got to make sure you're looking through the images and the schemas and the lessons. Um, all the music. You got to filter through it all just to make sure you're not portraying or sharing a message that's going to be self-destructive right. for you or your family. Right. Right. Very true. Well, the final, final question is... What is something that you do on a regular basis that helps you bloom into your best self? Oh, let's see. On a regular basis, I definitely like to go outside and water these plants and feed the um, bamboo and the tree. And I like to go outside and um, make sure my yard looks cool. I like doing little projects around the house where I could use a hammer or um, a drill or a Dremel, um, like all types of things. I love working with my hands and putting together different little gadgets or different little things, you know, where I can tinker with my toys and just continue to develop other skill set. Oh, well, thank you for coming on the show yet again and starting off this series on Black Fathers because y'all matter. All right. Thanks for having me. Y'all have a good one. All right. All right, y'all. That's it for this interview. It was good, wasn't it? I told y'all. So leave me a comment and let me know what you thought. Leave me a review and make sure you tune in for next week. Next week, I will have a father on who is a father of a 12 year old and he will share his journey and how he has navigated the different stages of fatherhood as a black man. Um, And in the meantime, as you guys are waiting on that episode to be released, to find out more about my husband and his work, check out our website at www www.culturefirst.org. Culture is with the number one ST. You can also follow him on Instagram at the Black Male Therapist. Um, And that's where he updates everybody and lets people know when his podcast is released. He also does posts um, that are very culturally relevant. So check him out there. Also check out his podcast, The Black Male Therapist. It's a great podcast. It's streaming wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm not just saying that because he's my husband. His podcast is very informative and it's full of really, really good tips. 
All right, y'all. Until the next time we chat, I really hope that you do something that will help you bloom into your best self. And I'm excited to have you come back and join me so that you can walk another day in my culture.